When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey y'all, this is Randy of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, indie number 72. So as you know, y'all, we drop two episodes a week, once on Sunday, if it's a struggle on Monday, and once on Wednesday. And this Wednesday is my goal. So indies are a way for us to do our own episodes, give you content without burning us out. Um, Indie stands for individual and... Again, yeah, this is my indie, and this indie again, number seventy-two, <laughs> the bottom. Excuse me, y'all. Drew is up. Mikey got her, and my first day of work is tomorrow. Y'all are gonna get this on Wednesday, and by Wednesday, I would have already been at work. And so, it's crazy over here. I'm really excited, and I'm a little out of it, and I'm tired, but it don't stop. So, all right, let's get into this episode. Yeah. 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 In 2010, thought I was doing something, and now I'm rapping with a crew or something. I guess the track don't really stick unless he's gluing something, and I never fit the shoe until I do or something. Yo, bracing myself like teeth, boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete. But homie, these tunes make you get a new ID. I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap. I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days. And we can still pitch the track to all the wacky J's. We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's. And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy phase. Let's go. We can turn the whole world around. I'm in the backseat with each other. And I'm back. So, again, this is indie number 72 the bottom what had happened was was (laughs) things are currently changing and they they are looking like they want to balance out and all of this hard work me and mike have really been putting in for three years um it just seems to be kind of leveling out or that it just wasn't for nothing and it got me thinking that i don't ever want to forget what's happened and the lessons that i've learned because of really the really the last three years um this was supposed to be a patreon blog we actually mentioned it in the episode to the public a few a few episodes back but i ended up writing a blog about drew and then most recently about a book consultant meeting that i had and and the revelations that i had because of that but ultimately i kept trying to figure out why i wasn't able to really write this piece for patreon and it's because i just wanted it to be a voice piece I didn't really I really need to talk I really needed to talk it out and thought it was a message maybe more people than just Patreon um family should hear or just I just wanted to share and I knew that this was a, a better way in terms of reaching more people. And so yeah, so that's why this is that episode. And so I'm going to go into four things that the bottom has taught me. Now the bottom for me is is this. <laughs> This was not the track uh, that I thought that I would be on. Uh, I don't know if I've ever like really actually talked about this on any episodes. Maybe we've talked about it bits and pieces. But as y'all know, I, you know, I went to college. I was, I did really well academically. And 
I got the Gates Williams scholarship. So school was paid for. I studied abroad. I worked really hard to prepare myself to avoid situations like this. I never thought that I would ever have to be on WIC. Never thought my baby would ever be on Medicaid. Um, I never thought I'd be living with my mother-in-law <laughs> or really like in her, in her house in general. Um, but it's actually not so bad, but I never thought that I'd be, I'd have a baby before I published my first book. Like I had this plan and I know now that that plan was because me just trying to protect myself. I became really type A and very like really big on structure and order as a way to protect myself because I thought that to be prepared that if I stayed prepared I wouldn't get hurt and things wouldn't happen and so I listened to what people told me teacher said if you go to school and you know me and Mikey and my sister and Drew's godfather uh, we went to Charles R. Drew and it was a college cradle to college pipeline and the whole purpose was to get kids at school a lot of us are first generation a lot of us are from broken homes and not just because they were mainly single parent home because they was crazy homes <laughs> um a lot of us have experienced trauma and so this was like the way out doing it doing life this right way but despite doing it the right way um in quotes life still happened and so I consider so this was my bottom, the miscarriage and then the job loss and then having to move and not having any money and like, like no money, like no money. <laughs> and that was, it's, it's been really hard as we have said on the podcast and as you all know, but it does seem like things are looking up. And so I wanted to discuss again, four things that this like season, this three year season, it feels like has taught me. And so I'm just going to get started. So the first thing the bottom has taught me is how to be a better friend. So I didn't realize before hitting rock bottom, and maybe there are a few more rock bottoms coming, but for right now, this is the rock bottom of my life. Um, I I didn't realize that like, I wasn't necessarily I was a bad friend. I didn't get, I, I rarely received friend criticism. And by the time I've received friend criticism, the last time I received some friend criticism was from Drew's godfather, <laughs> like some real friend criticism in terms of, oh, shit, you need to change. Um, Drew's godfather, when we were in high school, he was dating a former friend and who was my who was my best friend at the time. And so I felt conflicted because I was like, I have this girlfriend. You're supposed to be loyal to your girls. And I also have this guy best friend. I was like, Ugh, they were dating. And I can't remember what I think he told me he had a crush on me or something I can't remember what happened either way I told her and he was like that's not <laughs> what you supposed to do I was like how old was I Jesus Christ no we were in middle school Jesus I was 12 13 not to say my friends don't have issues with me but we do reach we do have a relationship where we can't do constructive criticism to each other and mainly it's about our own selves not necessarily how we're treating each other but like what are you how are you treating yourself how are you treating your partner? You know, how are you treating your family member? Holding ourselves accountable that way. But anyway, Drew's godfather is gay and <laughs> married now. And so looking back, that whole thing was a hot mess anyway, because he was supposed to be with a man anyway. So either way, I didn't realize that um, that I could have done better as a better friend until I hit rock bottom. And it's because 
now that I don't have any money, now that's changing a little bit. Like when you don't have any money, you can't give gifts and you can't go out and eat. You can't go out and party and you can't like actually do things that cost money. What do you do? And I feel like the bottom has heightened my other senses. So I'm, I'm a, I can imagine it's similar to what people may experience if they, um, like for instance, Mikey hears really well, you know, because his eyes don't really work. Like maybe, I don't know, you know, your body works to heighten other senses to help you out and to live this life. And so I feel like the bottom has helped me, um, has heightened my other senses and has, and has like showed me other ways to be a friend because I can't give gifts. I can't give Christmas gifts. I can't do random acts of kindness. I can't donate to the cash app. I can't, I can't, you know, not responsibly. And of course, all my friends know this, but it has forced me to show up in other ways and show me again how I wasn't showing up before. So now I text back a lot more frequently. Um, I call more. For instance, um, we missed really good friends. One of my really good friends who's also a Patreon supporter, Karima, her sister, who we also grew up with and went to Drew with, uh, is about to have a baby. And she had her baby shower and... Drew was really sick that weekend. We ended up going to my mom's house and we basically couldn't go to the baby shower. And I felt like crap because we were going to give her some hand-me-downs and we still did. Mikey ended up taking them that night, but I just felt like such a bad friend. <laughs> so I called her and I was like, I am so sorry. Like I was, I was hurting so bad for missing it because I'm realizing that in a lot of ways, just showing up is, is proving your friendship and proving how important people are to you and, in a lot of ways, that's all me and Mike can do is just be us, be a body, you know, sit next to you, call you, text you. It is really difficult with a child. I know a lot of y'all have kids and your friends do shift when you do have kids, your friendship when you get married, your friendship if you divorce. Um, and so I have had some friendships because of Drew. But for the people that have managed to stick around and who are invested in her well-being, um, I, I've realized the bottom has taught me how to show up in other ways. And so I'm thankful for that lesson. It's something I hope I don't forget. The second thing the bottom has taught me is accepting gifts is a form of vulnerability. And, <laughs> and I suck at vulnerability, not just with Mikey, but in my other relationships, because in this season, especially really in the last two years, uh, since the job loss and then since the miscarriage um, and even since, you know, having Drew and moving in with mom and all that, I I had to realize that like honoring people's love for me and love for my family is one of the ways I can do that is accepting their gifts because that's been really hard for me because I it's so embarrassing to need so much help, <laughs> especially when the plan was not to need this much help. And I didn't realize how much compassion I lacked for people who who were having a rough go. You know, you the narrative is if someone needs assistance, government assistance, they're out clubbing all night. They really got a baby daddy, but they got section A. You know, they're not working hard. They're not struggling. They're, they don't have a degree. They don't, they aren't smart, even without college education, that they aren't smart, that they aren't prepared, that just all these bad things. And I didn't realize how, like, I like to think that I'm woke and that I'm, 
compassionate and that I'm gracious. But I didn't realize until I hit my rock bottom how much prejudice and how biased I was because I remember having to walk into Wick. I was pregnant with Drew and I was I had just got let go and I was like shit. <laughs> I need to help Mikey and I had like this thought you keep saying you want to help Mikey you keep saying you want to like lessen his load but are you really doing everything you can to lessen his load and I realized the answer was no because I was too embarrassed to go to Wick and Wick was right across the street from where we lived and all night I had thought about all these things that like I thought these the, the the people at the counter would be really mean that they'd be really judgmental that they'd be and, and yeah I kept expecting like this really horrible awful experience and I remember calling to find out like which location I could go to I had to do I had to call for some reason I called first and the lady was so kind and she like asked where I went to school and asked how far along I was and I just remember crying after the phone call <laughs> because I was just like that was such a nice conversation and she had told me which location to go to and of course it was the one right across the street from us and and I didn't even realize it was across the street like that's how much I avoided it it was like literally across the street and so I went really really early because I love showing up to things early though I know y'all probably can't tell with this podcast but I do <laughs> and I went really early and I like still talk myself uh, you know up and I was like these people are about to be so mean oh my god Randy just make sure you're kind and all this y'all those ladies were so helpful and like so gracious and just like shit happens and we got wick and so we were able to get some groceries and stuff you know if anyone's ever been on wick it's not much but it's something it's bread it's milk um i'm low-key lactose intolerant but they don't put almond milk and stuff on there so you have to get like lactate but anyway that was like a resource which is a form of a gift but in other ways that I've had to like accept gifts and just and realize that's a form of vulnerability and having to suck it up was Kristen Bell I went to college with her and she's a Patreon supporter and she listens avidly and she's also an extreme introvert like we we hung out a lot the last two three years of my college career and I didn't know she liked me. <laughs> she gonna hear this and crack up. I didn't know she liked me, um, because she's such an introvert and she's very her and Drew have the same birthday. And very much like how Drew is, Drew will sit and watch you and she won't engage for a while. Like she's very observant and she's watching you and she's making these notes and she's trying to figure out if she's gonna fool with you. And I really appreciate that about Kristen, but in the peak of my performing and trying to be a people pleaser and all of that it really it was a little intimidating I was like girl so I just was myself and stayed around her it turns out that like <laughs> we love each other she enjoys me just as much as I enjoy her she's a crazy nut she's really funny and um she gave us this really great wedding gift she was at our wedding and she sent Drew some clothes and she was actually the reason that we went to Dave and Buster's for our baby moon. We like did like a day of like touristy stuff in Atlanta, even though we're from here. Anyway, she sent like the Dave and Buster's gift card and we like used that to go out. And Brittany, another friend of mine that I made because of the podcast, sent Drew this big box of clothes. And that's all Drew was in from zero to three, four months. And then she just sent another round of clothes, like just gifts. And I realized that like honoring people's 
friendship and honoring like them is accepting their gifts and not just feeling like I have to return the favor because you you know you gave me a gift like Brittany has actually gotten on me about this she was like listen <laughs> get it together I'm giving you this gift because I like you you my people don't be just sending me stuff just like as a payback that's not what this is and so that has really taught me a lot about vulnerability and being open and also just being in a space to pay it forward so it's really increased like the service like my heart for service and for taking care of people which is why like we said um in a few episodes ago about me getting the job that we want to start shifting the patreon once we get out of this like season of needing to repair everything that's happened for giving back to other couples and families because people need help people need money people need bills paid people need formula and we want to start using our patreon to start doing stuff like that so yeah that was the second thing the bottom has taught me accepting gifts is a form of vulnerability i suck at it but i need to do it anyway so thank you everyone the third thing that the bottom has taught me is i already know so y'all i do this guided meditation i haven't done it in like a month and it's only because that shit makes me so tired because i'm literally creating i'm creating it's like it's like in um inception so the guided meditation is basically supposed to help you visualize meditate meditation by visualization i don't do well with meditation that tells you to block everything out because my mind is constantly going and so i told myself i needed to find a meditation that um allow me to use my brain i need to think and so for me to meditate and so i did a guided visual meditation and i've done it twice and it knocks me out each time and i probably need to be doing it before bed that'll probably help me sleep but i mean i sleep okay considering drew leaves me exhausted but anyway um basically the guided meditation's whole purpose it isn't posted you you create this room and then you put your questions in this well you drop your questions in the well but the answers are already things you know so it's like basically awakening your subconscious and like having you having you like accept the things you already know and so you if you ask the wrong question you won't get an answer and so you have to ask the right question and it's just really powerful and so basically it's the the bottom and like being in this season of our lives has taught me that my intuition be known i be knowing y'all and we all do However, intuition can be very inconvenient. My intuition doesn't always align with what's going on. For instance, I knew that my last job was an awful place to be. I knew the second week, I say the second week, but it was really like the first week and a half because I started on a Wednesday and I knew by that next Friday. And I was like, shit, oh no, (laughs) this place is awful, but I can't like... I can't leave. I just got this job. We have so many bills. How do I look going to my husband? But my intuition was trying to tell me. And while it wouldn't have probably been smart to leave like immediately, I could have been working to put myself in another position where I was in another job, looking into something, communicating with somebody. But I didn't. And I'm not necessarily putting that all on me in terms of how everything went down. But that was how I could have held myself accountable. That was how I should have held myself accountable and because of that you know because of not listening to my intuition I suffered and I was responsible for for some of my suffering and being in the bottom has really forced me to reflect and be introspective because the bottom is lonely 
And for anybody who has hit their bottom or hit a bottom, you know this. And it forces you to really sit in it because there's no way out. Way out. Usually, you know, in life, whenever it got really, really bad, you know, something good would happen and it would like, you know, something good would happen. But for like two years, ain't nothing good happen. <laughs> you know, Drew happened and our marriage is still happening. But like there was no reprieve from what we were going through and so when there's no reprieve and you can't like no no break from this punishment no break from this hardship it really forced me to like it really forced me to sit in it and I did not enjoy it but it was it was necessary and part of sitting in it was realizing that I knew I knew you know and that I know and one of the things currently that I'm realizing or that my intuition is telling me is that my marriage is not necessarily okay and not like we're in a bad space well I I think we're actually better now we're getting better but I had this revelation a few weeks ago this revelation has actually been happening for a few years and coming to a head the last few months and then definitely like in this past month or so since I applied for the job but um you know, one of the things about me and Mikey is I tell him this all the time and he doesn't like it, but I tell him all the time, I do not think we're above getting divorced. We don't play about it. We don't throw it around. But I think one of the most dangerous thing, thing a couple can do is act like they're above divorce. Act like there's nothing that can happen that can make them break up unless you are Will and Jada, you know, because <laughs> they've been through some stuff. They've done that like work and they've agreed to like in that sense. But we're still very young. Our marriage is still really young. And I just don't think we're above getting a divorce. I think that if you let things fester and not acknowledge it and don't have your revelations and your epiphanies and grow and change, then your marriage is in trouble. And so one of the revelations that I've had was that it's just time for me to do, um, I don't know, to take on a load, which we have talked about this this labor of taking care of our family financially cannot just be Mikey's job you know we're not the type of couple and I know it works for some marriages and God bless you and I'm serious but I just don't think that right now we're in that space to to where all of this labor can fall on him and I could see that it was really taking a toll on him and I needed not only that I The analogy I gave my mom's group was that we both have five things to do. Like in general, we have five things to do. And I'm asking Mikey to do five more things. He's doing five, those five things, plus the five things he's already done. But I just still have my five things. I'm not picking up any more weight. And that's bad. And it took me a minute to realize that that's what was happening. And I think that's just because I haven't been well. And thankfully, I'm getting I'm getting well but or you know doing my best to be well and thankfully honestly one of my strengths are being introspective because that has saved us a lot (laughs) because I I am not afraid to think critically and to call myself out on my shit and so I realized that I need to pick up more weight and I've been doing that the past two weeks or so and there's definitely definitely been a shift in the house and we've had our talk and I think when we come back from our break we're going to do an episode about it but things are things are changing because I realized my intuition is telling me hey you need to you need to get ahead of this and my intuition is telling me that I need to work on being proactive and not 
reactive. I need to work on being preventative. And right now I'm trying to take preventative measures because my relationship with Mikey means more to me than I think that I can even express on the podcast or that I have in the 70 something episodes we've dropped really like 80 something if you count what Patreon gets. But my relationship with Mikey is everything to me and and what we what we've built, what we're trying to build, all the stuff we've been through. And so it really has lately that has been like, hey, your marriage, you know, you got to get ahead of this kid. And so if you have any questions about that, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. But um, again, I think we'll do an episode about it. So that's the third thing again, that the bottom has taught me is that I already know my intuition may be inconvenient, but it's never wrong. And I need to pay attention to it or suffer the consequences later. And finally, the fourth thing my bottom, this rock bottom has taught me is that life will make sure you suffer (laughs) and you don't have to suffer necessarily. And I say that to you, but I'm talking to me. I had this really bomb boss love her yammer peoples when i was a college advisor she is the best boss i have ever had in my life and i'm and i feel like this new boss that i have um is on the same caliber as her but we shall see but she is the best like she's just she's so awesome and she's a black woman and she's really committed to service and values and she is born on my grandmother's birthday and i love her and she's just all about empowering people she works with including you know her us you know her um, employees and she's just really big on not dimming your light using your strengths to help you do your job better and she's just you know she's great she's great she's the type of person you stay with no matter what what you getting paid and the only reason i left her is because my contract was up (laughs) but i really love her but she told us you know i asked her how she stays like how do you not let fear keep you from being joyful and she was like you know honestly Randy life will make sure like life is gonna life you know you're gonna have bad days so while it's good just let it be good because you're gonna need it you're gonna need those good days to move you forward and at that time I don't think I was in the spirit of receiving that I don't really honestly think I understood it because I was so busy being scared and I can't even remember telling y'all I can't even remember what I was scared about y'all um but now I get it. Life is going to make sure we suffer. <laughs> there are so many things that have happened to me and Mike that have been out of our control individually and as a married couple. And now I'm like, I'm not about to be begging life to, I'm not about to put myself in suffering situations. I can't do it no more because I'm already suffering. And the bottom has taught me that like, I just can't do it no more, y'all. It's a choice. We got, we we all make choices and I cannot put myself in situations, situations where I am struggling and suffering because of me. You know, I just can't I can't do it anymore. Because like I said, life is going to make sure that some random, crazy, chaotic shit is going to happen and it's going to throw me off anyway. And so I might as well do my best to make good choices. Now, mistakes are different, you know failures are different but making active choices that are absolutely wrong in terms of like what you said you wanted and I speak I'm speaking you know I say this to myself before I say this to (laughs) y'all what I say is wrong what I say I don't like what I say I don't need you know things that are completely opposite of what I say I'm working towards you know that's on me that is suffering that I am doing to myself I just can't be a part of it 
<laughs> the bottom has just taught me a lot about suffering and I just refuse to suffer on purpose. For now on, what I hope I never forget, for now on, the suffering that I do endure, I hope that it's like something that life has thrown at me that has been chaotic and random and unexpected and not something that I've put myself in knowingly, you know. Um, because we know, y'all, we really do know. And I don't know, I, I think it's a mixture of not feeling like we can do any better, not feeling like we deserve any better. The narrative of that, you should put up with things because that's just what you do. It's really just not true. Things are going to be hard already. For instance, as y'all, we did an episode about it. Marriage is hard. Marriage is hard already by itself. So you don't really even have to get with somebody that ain't shit. Because it's it's, you're just making it harder. Why? Why would you do this to yourself? Why would you do? Why would you get married to somebody you know you shouldn't get married to? Why would you get married to somebody you know is never going to be faithful? That does not, you know, whatever your standards of like relationship is, whether it be monogamy or any form of other type of relationship. Why would you get married with somebody who hasn't done the work when you already know that marriage is hard? And kids don't make it no better. I'm convinced that the first few years of kids' lives are devoted to making parents break up. <laughs> until like until like things level out. But anyway, yeah. So those are my four things. The bottom has taught me how to be a better friend. The bottom has taught me that accepting gifts is a form of vulnerability. The bottom has taught me that I already know my intuition is powerful. My intuition is never wrong. And to not listen to my intuition is it's just delaying some suffering that's gonna that's bound to happen. And then the fourth thing the bottom has taught me is that life is gonna life and there's no reason to to engage in unnecessary suffering because there's just no reason. <sighs> that was a lot. And this is what my one of my favorite segments. I guess it is my favorite. Actually, no, I think I really like the third segment. Anyway, I'm probably going to edit all that out. And now for Q&A. So I have four questions per usual, and I'm just going to jump right in. I think this first one is from Nikki. Nikki Ellis. Um, She asked, who is on Patreon? Hey, Nikki. She asked, what are you freakish, freakishly bad at? Freakishly bad at. I cannot whistle. I can't whistle. I... Cause sometimes whistle, kinda, but I cannot whistle. Mikey can whistle the whole Kill Bill tune, and I think it's creepy. I think people who whistle are are serial killers on the cover, and there may be something there. But I cannot whistle. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. Mikey whistled at Drew, and I tried, and she just looked at me like, "What the f- are you doing?" I can't whistle. I'm really bad at it. But I attempt because I really want to at least know how, but I just can't. I can't. I just can't whistle. Second question. If you had all the money in the world, what would be the first thing first thing you'd buy? This is also from Nikki. If I had all the money in the world, the first thing I would buy is some land. I want land. I want my dad's house. I want to buy that shit, knock it down, and rebuild it. That's what I really want. I would buy some land. That's some good property he's on. It was willed to us. It's in our family. I want it. I would buy it right out and he would take it. He didn't take the money. He already said what he want for it. And so if I had that, I would, I would buy it. I would buy it and keep it forever. That was a good question. Uh, third question is what do I think of married at first sight? Have I seen it? So we actually got this in an email and I can't remember who sent it to us. It was a while ago and we were supposed to do 
an episode about it, but we never did. I don't even think we were supposed to do it, but it was like a question to do an episode about it. But there was just, I don't even know. I thought it, I thought it would work better as a Q&A. So I actually have seen Married at First Sight. If anyone doesn't know what that show is, it's literally people meeting for the first time in their lives at the altar. Getting married, staying married for, I can't remember how long. I think it's like, I don't even know, a month, three months. I don't know. It's for a while. And then at the end of the show, um, they decide if they want to stay married or if they want to get a divorce. But it's for people who like haven't found the right one yet and they just want to try something new. And I love the very first season, the pilot season. Loved it. Loved it. I was very invested in those couples. I hated the black dude um, because he was so awful. And I can't even remember the girl's name, but I follow her and Jamie. And I think those only two I follow on Instagram. Jamie has her baby, her rainbow baby, and she keeps having all these miscarriages. It's really sad. Um, obviously, it's not something she's doing, but like it's just, I know she really wants a second child. And she just, and her body is just not, these babies do what they want. I don't even know. It's really sad. But she keeps, the, she's keeping the faith, so I'm going to keep the faith with her. But um, I followed the first season really closely. I hated the black dude um, of the first season because I felt like he got really mean after they had sex for the first time they i think they were the only couple to consummate their marriage the night of the 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 wedding and it seemed to bother him i think afterwards that she had sex with him like i think he actually switched up on her (laughs) and that's just my interpretation of that first season and it seemed like um but you know they have no (sighs) i think it's a crazy ass idea to marry somebody you meet at first sight um I don't even know if I think it's brave. I think it's really stupid, but but it does make for great TV and it just was so, but like people do arranged marriages all the time. That's like a, that's not, you know, the West we're very, you know, people do arranged marriages all the time. Um, so I'm not, I'm not discounting other people's cultures in that sense, but in terms of how the West does it for TV, I think it's dumb as hell, but, and it's just, it doesn't make, uh, so I have seen it. I think that Married at First Sight is crazy. I cannot get into the other seasons because it's just so hard to watch, especially now that I am married. I hate how these people talk to each other. I hate all the bickering and arguing. It's really sad. And I don't think it sheds a good light on marriage. However, it does show you what happens when you get with somebody you don't know and don't take the time to know. And it does show you the consequence of getting married just to say you are married like it's really sad there are so many people out here that just want to be married and for what because at the instagram we're off and facebook and if all these sites crashed then what what you got this marriage that you just have social media and then what social media gone what you gonna do like it's it's really sad um and so i was like this is just making me too sad So I can't watch Married at First Sight anymore. And question three. This is from Sierra. Uh, She wrote this on, oh, sorry, question four from Sierra. She wrote this on Instagram when Mikey did the Q&A post. And she asked, what was it like trying to maintain a long-term relationship as a teenager? Um, It was awful. (laughs) I know I say that word a lot. It was really hard for a lot of reasons. One, because... (sighs) We were really young, at, I mean, as teenagers are. And on the one side, it was very passionate and lustful. 
and fun. You're much more courageous and confident as a teenager. And you do some crazy shit and you take some crazy chances. You give a head while you're driving. And you <laughs> we were so stupid. Um, like in the one, like it was fun, but it was also really difficult because the adults around us, a lot of people had issues with us. Um, one, so there was a mixture. There were the people who were like, oh, y'all are young. You don't need to be in a committed relationship right now. Go out and do whatever you want. Little did they know, Mikey was already out here living like he was 30. And I just had no desire. I had no desire to have a high body count. I had no desire to be out here having sex with more than one person. And that wasn't, you know, while I do talk about, I do wonder what my life would have been like with a whole face. Mikey's told me, my my family doesn't think that I can hit it and quit it. But y'all, I would have made a really, I would have had a really great whole face. But I didn't have one. And that was just because of my own history of abuse. And just not, just want to take some control over my body. And so I was really intentional about not being with more than one person sexually. And that's orally and, and like vaginally. Um, yeah. So, so it was really difficult because that just wasn't what I wanted. And I had a lot of adults preaching that I needed to branch out and freak out and all this stuff. And I was like, y'all don't even know. I've had my feel of everyone else touching me and trying to get in me and all this stuff. And I'm done. I just want some control. Then you also had the adults who just didn't believe it. Like everybody thought we was fucking when we weren't. We actually didn't have sex for the first two years of our relationship, which may not seem like a big deal. But y'all know as high schoolers, everybody was having sex. A lot of my friends are having sex in seventh grade. And a lot of the boys was having sex way sooner. But we didn't have sex until I was 17. And we had already been dating for two years. And and so a lot of people just thought we were just trying to have sex. And I'm like, and then when we did start having sex, everybody got quiet because you don't need, like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so and then we had the other people who do you just have adults that are just that are just jealous. We, we There were a lot of adults who were single, who were divorced, who were I don't even think that. No, I'm lying. Not divorced, just single, An unhappy adults who didn't understand the concept of like commitment or just wanted to be with somebody just genuinely enjoying someone and that was very clear and so we had we endure a lot of projection a lot of people projected a lot of their stuff on us and the only person that took us seriously was my mom and not in the sense of oh y'all should get married she was adamantly against any of that but she did take how we felt about our relationship really seriously because she had been in a relationship that no one took seriously and then she got pregnant and so I really appreciate how how invested she was in us and how she dated with us because and like picked Mikey up and like made sure that we were always at the house um and that she was around because when you don't take relationships seriously even if they are kids a lot of things can go wrong like you can get pregnant as soon as you have a cycle, you know? And so, yeah, you thought this relationship was a joke, but now you got a real live baby, you know? So it was hard. And people didn't really start taking us seriously until college because I guess they, they saw that we were staying together, essentially. We took a picture at Guyana Day and it got all these likes on Facebook and everybody was saying how cute we were. And I remember having so much anxiety about posting it because we had had such a hellish high school like time on social media. But everybody's like, oh, y'all are so cute. All these three of y'all are meant to be. Like, bitch, no, you didn't. <laughs> you was making our lives a hell. So, yeah, it was hard. It was hard trying to maintain a long-term relationship on top of all of Mikey's 
shit and him just being who he was and me being who I was. And I did not recommend it. (laughs) I did not recommend it at all. Unless, you know, I don't know. We're rare. We just are. Um, it, we just are. And I just, it was hard. Thank you for asking. Nobody asked really much about high school or just, yeah, maintain a relationship as a teenager. It ain't for the faint of heart. And finally, I'll leave you with this. So like I said last time, I'm going to start sharing with y'all what I'm reading. I did just finish The Invisible Library. It was really good. It's a series. Um, I'm not going to read the series straight through because George R.R. R. Martin of the, the writer of Game of Thrones ruined series reading for me. I finished all those damn books just for him never f- to finish writing them. And it just broke my heart. So I was like, I'm never reading a series straight through again because I wasted so much of my time. <laughs> so yeah, so I finished The Invisible Library and I do plan to finish that series. And it was really great. I'm currently also reading Emotional Intelligence, like I mentioned last time, uh, Why It Matters More Than IQ. I'm also reading Dreyer's English, and that's just, um, he's a co-editor at Random House, which is a publishing business organization company. They do all the best books, Toni Morrison, all those things. He wrote a book about just grammar and literature and language, and I'm and I'm about to start reading it. I'm really excited about that. And I'm reading You Are What You Eat, and I will do an episode about that in the future, probably sometime next year. But I read it in college, and I'm reading it again now to just kind of help me get back on this path of wellness. But I'm going to leave you all with a quote. And y'all know how I feel about my quotes and about Brene Brown. And I am not on a Brene Brown bandwagon, just in case you're wondering. My boss, my former boss, Yarbrough Peoples, had us watch her vulnerability talk as a part of our um, training. And that that should just tell you how great she is. Like, what type of boss is going to make you watch this TED talk? As a form of training, like we had to watch it and we watched it like in the room with her. <laughs> she like made us all watch it anyway. So I, I've always loved Renee Brown. Again, I've read The Gifts of Imperfections. It's a great book. And I loved her talk on Netflix, The Call to Courage. And so that is what this quote is from. And I think that it aligns with just how life is starting to shift a little for us over here and being vulnerable and just having joy and letting yourself be happy and not suffering on purpose so the quote goes joy is the most vulnerable of all human emotions we are terrified to feel joy we are so afraid that if we let ourselves feel joy something will come along and rip it away from us and we will get sucker punched by pain and trauma and loss so that in the midst of great things we literally dress rehearse tragedy I thought it was really powerful because it's so true. Me and Mike, um, he's been really holding me accountable with this and vice versa. But, we, you know, we clarify a lot of statements. At least I know I do. I'll be like, I love this. I love this team. But I know I just met them. And he'd be like, stop. You love this team, period. Just let yourself love it. Just let yourself enjoy this job. Just let yourself enjoy like the just be excited because we don't, you know, excitement I I didn't realize how often I took excitement for granted but like excitement is is a gift and joy is a gift and I just don't want to mourn twice there's no reason to grieve twice so I really like that quote for reminding me of that just let things be good y'all let it be good if it's good you know not like 
I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, just let it be good. Just let it be good. If you know that it's good, for instance, I think knowing that someone is trifling or cheating, but they're like, they got really great dick or they, you know, they make you happy. Letting that just be good. I don't know if that's healthy, but knowing that someone is doing the work to prove that they are, that they love you, that they like you, that they, and this is just from relationships. I'm talking romantically, even in friendships, maybe knowing that someone is like willing to like commit to you and put up with your mess <laughs> and they aren't doing wrong by you and it makes you feel good let that be good just let that joy like let's just be joyful and so I've decided to do that with this job and just with the season that's shifting and how healthy Drew is Groot is and the family and yeah so I think that quote is just a call is a call to action so that's my call to action be joyful y'all and finally, call to action. Uh, submit questions for feedback for the next solo episode. So we're actually about to go on break. Mikey has one more indie and then we're on break for the month of November. And But still send us feedback and questions and we'll just come back with, with them. Email us at blackmillmare at gmail.com. That's B-L-A-C-K-M-I-L-M-A-R at gmail.com. Or leave us a voice message at 770-750-4098. That could be featured on a future episode. Also, let me know what you think about this episode. Was it helpful? I'm so tired, y'all. But like not in like a bad way. Just my first day of work is tomorrow. By the time you hear this, I would have already had it. But I, um, I'm tired and I still got so much to do and I'm washing clothes and I got to do my hair. But like it's also exciting. So let me know what you think. Because it's also the first indie that I'm doing with everyone being home and awake mike is awake i think drew is finally asleep but yeah so i'm trying to be quiet um but also loud enough <laughs> for y'all to hear me so let me know uh be sure to check out our website www.blackmillionmarriage.com and follow us on social media platforms on instagram mikey is mikey underscore xxi on instagram i am randy r-a-n-d-i-i-i-i-e-e-e don't worry, I'll put it in the show notes. And on Twitter, we are at underscore the Chapmans. You can also follow me on Twitter. I wrote a post about this on Patreon, but I'm back on Twitter, y'all. Got to get more visible out here as a writer and all those things. And writers are on Twitter. And so follow me at Randy, R-A-N-D-I-I-I-I-E-E-E. And again, and again, I will put that in the show notes. All right. Thank you again for listening. As always, be blessed. Don't settle. Fight clean. Peace. About time that I get back. Yo, I'ma get back. We can hold it down. Oh God, I'ma get back. Yo, I'ma get back. And we can hold it down. Yeah, it's Peter. Fourth year in the promised land. Watch it, I promise.